everyone, it's Lou Rosenfeld, and I am very happy to welcome you to the latest Rosenfeld Review podcast uh, with my guest, Carl Smith, who is from the Bureau of Digital. And, uh, you know, I think that Rosenfeld Media puts on a lot of conferences, and and Carl and his and the Bureau of Digital really put us to shame. Uh, they do the <laughs> PM Summit. They do uh, Owner Camp for, for uh, folks who own agencies, and and like 14 other things a year, literally. Uh, Carl, thanks for joining us today. I wanted to talk with you about putting on events and doing it at scale because uh, I don't know if you've been following some of the stuff we're up to, but we're, we're all over ops the last year or so. Yeah. And, uh, just ran the, the, uh, the design ops, uh, research ops uh, monthly community call yesterday. We had 70 people show up and wow. in this idea of inside ops, which, you know, probably will never catch on, but I believe in it. And everything I guess is that we're at a point where we're moving from design thinking to design doing. And so everything of course has to be operationalized, including, you know, uh, everything like uh, we have to operationalize shoelace tying and <laughs> moving and and God knows what. But you know this idea of operationalizing things like curation is really interesting. And I know you've you've been thinking about this because you've been in this business of putting on conferences for years now. And uh, I don't know how you do it. So you do these two conferences and. You, are you really doing 14 other events a year? Yeah, it's it's crazy. So we have a community of, I'll have to go back and check. I, I say a different number every time, but I, th- I think we're somewhere around 4,000 people that are kind of in the ecosystem, um, over 1,000 different companies. Um, close, I think we're almost close to 1,800 companies now when you look at all of the, the people who've been to the summits. And it, it's all across the spectrum from digital agencies, uh, web shops, the ones that hate being called digital agencies. Uh, And then you've got like the big players out in Silicon Valley. Like we've had all these people come through. And I think the challenge for us is we're trying to give everybody what they're asking for. And you know what it is. It's a lot of risk, right? Like you're, you're now going to try to put on all of these events, which for us is 14 this year. So we tried to get strategic and, uh, you know, do back-to-back events in the same location, try an online event in a month that's notoriously horrible for an in-person event, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but to your point about curation, I think that is the toughest thing. And, and there's two sides of it. One is, how do you find the content for an in-person event where you're going to have people on a stage, right, that are going to be sharing? And then how do you find ways to take those conversations from those in-person events, if you have them captured and package them so that other people can learn. That, that's my main goal is to get as much great information to everybody as possible so mm-hmm. they can do better at their jobs and their lives. So there's two things there. There's the curation and then there's the essentially the publication. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, in turn, let's start with the publication side. What, what are you yeah. doing to bundle up that information? Do, do people have to be part of your 4,000 person network in order to have access? Is it like a, a membership type of thing or some other model? Well, you know, interesting you should say that. It's not. Um, but we're moving in that direction. So right now we have about 900 of the people in the community are in this monstrous Slack channel. And it's sliced and diced in private channels based on what events they've been to and what their role is um, 
not just in their company, but possibly what their type of company is. So it's not like you go in and you immediately see 900 people. You go in and you probably see anywhere from 30 to 100. But these conversations that are going on are intense, um, from design systems to dealing with a layoff to legal issues with a contract to all of these types of things. And then in Slack, they disappear because we have so many people in there that after 10,000 messages, they get cut off. This is where, to your point, um, of membership. Like if we move to membership, then we can pay for this Slack and all of those 65,000 messages that have been kidnapped. <laughs> now, God, God bless Slack. We're not paying a penny, so I can't, I can't pick on them. Who owns those? And actually, you know, is it, do you it's, own that content? Does Slack own the content? The content is written by these It's people. a great question, right? So when do we get that? What we've done to date we have one person at the Bureau that focuses on those conversations, grabs the valuable parts of those conversations that don't actually expose any of the people having the conversation because privacy is a huge part of it. Um, then we, we basically publish them as blog posts. Um, we have a resource roundup that we do once a month that just basically says, these are the books, these are the tools, these are the events, this is what everybody's talking about. Um, and that's what we started doing just a few months ago. Before that, we had a daily or weekly email that would go out to everybody in the community. Um, and that became too much. Uh, you, you'd see it, it was just, you know, we were talking about how often can you reach out to the, the list. And when you start looking at that, even with valuable content, it's it, just tiring for people. Yeah. To, to get that much stuff. So, so right now we're, we're actually, we thought during the slow summer, which has not been slow at all for us, uh, that's when we would start to crack the code on how we package and publish. Um, so that's, that's a big part of what we're in right now. Yeah, it's interesting. So the, the idea of publishing is, is rich and complicated um, because it goes beyond tying it to the event, which I think is implicit in what you're saying. There's, there's, really publishing that comes out of the, the artifacts from the event. Right. right. So, I mean, you can publish things, which we do, like the, the conference presentation videos, we put them up in YouTube. Uh, you know, they're out there, the, the decks, the sketch notes. We also yep. do script notes. And we try to actually, we're, right now, we just are a week away out of Enterprise UX exactly, and we're trying to put all those things together and make sure they're in people's hands quickly so they can take them back to work. But then there's like the, the publication that, um, comes from the community conversations, which you're talking about. And it sounds like you're doing a really admirable job of, of navigating and distilling that stuff into some form uh, that people can use throughout the year, regardless of whether they even went to the conference or not. Right. It's really hard work. That kind of, uh, that's a different kind of curation, obviously. Um, you know, one thing uh, I, I imagine well, maybe this is something that you're actually working on addressing with the kind of curation you, you've just described. But if you're in the conference business and you have your conference happen typically once a year, it's really challenging to keep interest engagement the other 360-ish days. <laughs> yeah. those events. So one thing I've tried, and this may kind of mirror to some degree what you've been doing, uh, after we did design ops last November, uh, I started up a monthly conference call, which I mentioned a little earlier, and we've got about 350 people on the list. And very quickly, people really seem to want it, and 70 on yesterday's call. 
And that's been really a nice way to kind of keep the conversation going. And it's also like an interesting way to see who's out there and who might be able to present. You start almost testing them out. It's like the farm team of sorts for the conference. Um, we're also uh, um, putting together a newsletter, like a semi-monthly newsletter, uh, like a resource roundup of sorts. And we can also do right. some of our prior videos and decks and such from last year's conference. And so now what I'm trying to do is kind of roll all these up together. And as we publish books in an area, we can fold in the books and, you know, on and on and on. So um, that's been kind of interesting. And now I'm trying to take that model as I integrate it this hopefully next couple of months and, and create something like it for Enterprise UX, which is the other conference we do. Right. It's been around much longer. So, you know, like you start getting into issues like conference lifespan. And is it too late to get a monthly meeting together on Enterprise UX that can then be the glue between annual events to keep people engaged? So I love this idea of the monthly call. And that's one of the things we, we did last year. We had a round table where we just said, let's do a collaboration round table. Any shop that's interested in collaborating, um, let's get together. And we had about 20 people show up. Uh, it was a Zoom call. Mm. And basically people would raise their hand when they want to talk. And then I, I just kind of facilitated going around. Cause you know, you have that many people <laughs> it can get a little crazy. Some people are just quiet. Some people are dominating. And um, it was amazing. The, the content that came out of it, the discussions around psychological safety and how important that is, if you're going to collaborate, um, all of these things came out. And then we had a bunch of events hit and we were only really two and a half people at the time. So it just disappeared. Whereas now we're a little bit bigger for people, <laughs> not that much bigger, but it feels immensely bigger. Okay, um, yes. Yeah. And so it's, it's this idea that, okay, one of us can really manage this now and can do these monthly calls um, and have them be on certain topics and have people come through. So it's like, it's great to hear that you're having success with that. Cause that, that gives me hope that when we try to dial it back up, it'll come back fast. Well, it's also organic. I mean, one of the things we found uh, was we tried to get that conversation going in social media. We tried it in Facebook, LinkedIn, and a Slack channel concurrently and got nowhere. There's right. just no uptake. Uh, but the, the monthly calls have had huge uptake. Um, conversely, I don't know if you're following what Kate Towsey and the research ops uh, community have been doing, but they've had yeah. a huge uptake in Slack and they've combined it with uh, uh, doing this series, a global series of what is research ops workshops. If you look at that, what is research ops hashtag, you'll find some really interesting stuff there. Cool. And, you know, so there's, there's all kinds of models that are out there that are really tied to, to the point of maturity or lifespan of a community, how new the topic is, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the, the, the other side of things is scaling, which is very obviously tied to content publishing. They're, they're almost two sides of the same coin. I'm wondering how you manage to program so many events without going absolutely insane. Well, so two of our events, Owner Summit and Digital PM Summit, these are our more traditional conferences. So the first half of the day, we've got people up on stage that we know the community wants to hear from. And then the second half of the day, it's either breakouts at the Digital PM Summit or we have discussions at Owner Summit. So based on the size of shop, 
you sit in a circle with about 30 other shops and it's a facilitated conversation on growth or legal or finance um, to help everybody be a better business. So that actually helps because half of Owner Summit is unscripted and unprogrammed. It's just a conversation. And then when you look at our other 12 events, they're almost all like that. So we have a pre-event survey where everybody attending tells us what they're going through, what they've succeeded with, what they're failing with, and we, we curate that. And then we just have these discussions for three days with a lot of social breaks and stuff like that. How big are those events? Uh, the ones that, well, let's say the two main ones, because if you're getting groups yeah. 30 together, I imagine that's a challenge in terms of having the space that works well, yeah. groups of 30 plus everyone all in one room. Yeah, so we have, so with, with Digital PM Summit, we normally end up, well, recently we've ended up in the 300 range. Um, we don't really do the breakouts with Digital PMs as much because they've each got such distinct they want to they all want yeah, to Exactly. And it's funny, <laughs> Digital PMs in the Slack channel, I asked them once if there was something we could do to get them more involved. And they said, we're working. The owners can talk all day because we're working, right. <laughs> which is funny. But then at Owner Summit, uh, we're normally around 150 to 180 and breaking out into those rooms. I mean, it's, we do a lot of outdoor stuff, uh, when we can San Diego was great two years ago. Last year we were in Charleston. Um, so we find these spaces where hopefully we can be outdoors for the afternoon session, weather permitting. Um, and that helps a lot. Okay. So, uh, you, you, you build that flexibility into your venue selection. Yep. And you also get some really good people uh, involved. Like I happen to know the guy who's involved with the PM Summit, right? Uh, guy Mr. named Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. He wrote a fantastic book on the subject that everyone should know about. Project <laughs> Humans, published by a certain company that uh, happens to have the same name as, as mine. Well, um, it's that hat you're wearing, Rosenfeld, right? They can't see it. Ah! <laughs> That's why I said it. That's right. Yeah, well, it's putting Nike or something on my hat. Yeah. I'd rather advertise my own company. But, um, you know, one of the things that has been really, you know, interesting for us is um, we just did Enterprise UX last week in San Francisco. Right. And that was the, the fourth one. It was the scariest one. Um, it was scary because we tried a different approach to curation this year. And I wonder if this sort of rings true for you based on your experiences. What we did was, um, so our, our conference is really like four mini conferences in one and it's okay. single track. So they just happen in, in sequence. And um, so we come up with four themes based on user research. And then we again, do more research to identify speakers by theme. And, and then each um, theme has three speakers and a theme leader who runs the show and gets them ready and facilitates the, the, the discussion uh, section of the theme and so on. This year, uh, the four theme leaders were given a huge amount of autonomy compared to the prior years. So it was up to them to make sure things happened. We supported them as best we could. We told them how we've done it in the past. And then we, we kind of let them run and, and actually do a lot of the speaker selection as well as preparation. Wow. And, um, you know, it's Tuesday night before a Wednesday conference and we're sitting there just sweating because we know the theme leaders we selected were really good, but we didn't know how well they were going to do at getting their people ready. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, we, we checked, it seemed like things were good, but some of the sessions were <laughs> not what we were necessarily expecting for each theme. It was, they were taking chances maybe in ways that we wouldn't have. Right. Three days later, uh, uh, looking at the evaluations and looking at the, uh, and hearing anecdotal feedback, it seems like it was a great success that letting go of control of the curation yeah. bit as unpleasant and challenging as it was, was in this case, at least the, the right move. Yeah, no, I, I think that's amazing that you were able to do it because it's gotta be frightening on a lot of levels. Uh, I'll say that, you know, we were mentioning Brett earlier. Brett does an amazing job getting the programming together for the digital PM summit. It's like every year I look at the lineup and I'm like, I wish I could do that. And uh, this year I went to the craft brewers conference, right? Uh, Greg Hoy, who was the founder of the bureau invited me, he had an extra ticket and I went and I just listened to how every talk was about the industry. Every talk was about what everybody in the audience needed to be doing. When I came back, I was all inspired. I was like owner summit this year. We've got to find a way to make it more about building your business and less about just listening to other people who've done stuff, right? And so that became this huge challenge. And so I actually leaned on Brett a little bit. I leaned on the community quite a bit. Um, I asked a bunch of people, who do you want to hear come back? Who, who is it that changed the way you think about things? And there were two people that came up right away. It was Blair Enns from Win Without Pitching. And uh, it was Sherry Walling, who has a book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together, right? It's just a <laughs> Brilliant book, self-published. Sorry, Lou, but you got to get it on the next one. Um, but it's, uh, I just, I went right back out. Now, Blair had spoken once before and he was polarizing and that scared me. Mm-hmm. There was half of that room that was just like, who is this guy? And the other half of the room was like, who is this guy? You know, and it, <laughs> they made me put a Blairtopia channel into the Slack, right? So that these people could get together and talk about the way he talked about pitching and putting together proposals and all this type of stuff. So bringing him back felt risky, but not bringing him back felt risky because mm-hmm. this was somebody who had made a difference. And then with Sherry, she is a clinical psychologist who specializes in helping entrepreneurs, most of them in the digital services space. Well, so, most of us entrepreneurs clearly need to see a shrink. Oh, That's, you know, there's no doubt about that. Exactly. It's, it's so heavy. So, so anyway, to that point, I didn't grab other people, but I did lean on the community and, and just said, who are your favorites and who are the people we don't know? And, and that's who we're trying to get right now. Some of them charge a tremendous amount of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> 25 grand. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. We once had someone make a serious suggestion uh, about getting Colin Powell for uh, Keenan. Oh, nice. Like we had Powell. Simon Sinek. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah, the, the manifest, the checklist manifesto guy too. They're, they're oh, all yeah. you know, six digits. It's like, uh, sure. Um, yeah. We actually, a friend of mine who runs an event, Converge, he almost had Lamar, uh, LeVar Burton. Oh, really? LeVar Burton was available for like $5,000 and it was right before the Reading Rainbow Kickstarter. And so as soon as that thing went, <laughs> he was like, LeVar was like, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. I had the, uh, the, the, um, uh, good luck of getting Nate Silver to keynote one of the IA summits between the two elections he successfully called. He, he didn't really screw up 2016, but I got him, I think, in 2011, <laughs> and he'd, he'd done well in 2008. And 
He had That's amazing. Got, and, and yeah, he was still expensive, but I think if I waited another year and he'd done the second election in 2012 where he nailed it, um, there's no way yeah. we could have brought him in. Do you know, I'm just going to say this quick is that I think what's great about you giving the autonomy to the other people is they aren't dealing with the risk. So they're not sitting there worried, will this person sell tickets, right? They're saying, will this person deliver value? And I think we do the same thing with thinking deliver value, but then you've also got, when you see the price point on somebody, you're like, is, am I paying for this? How does this work? I mean, it it really is stressful. Well, and you know, one of the things, and I'd really like to get your, your feedback on this. One of the things that we found with this year's conference, the enterprise UX conference was that um, how you define value is changing. So um, we really, made a huge effort to have a far more diverse program than we ever had before. And if you look at the lineup, it's, it's pretty clear that uh, we had perspectives that uh, we would never have had represented in the past. And, uh, you know, a lot of conference organizers try to do that. And, and I think the, the way we were able to pull that off is we started with th- diverse theme leaders. So nice. in other words, they, were able to open up their networks, their communities. Yeah. Yeah. And, and collectively we were able to do a really good job with that. And, uh, and I bring it up because, you know, it's, it's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But if you're creating a conference program, you're creating a product and that product has to be something that many people can benefit from. And to do that, the designers in effect have to represent, a right, a good mix of perspectives and experiences. And so, you know, that quality or that value wasn't in big names. We actually tried very purposely to avoid the the usual suspects in terms of speakers. And instead, you know, most of the people in the program, the core curators, including myself, had never heard of. And that was also part of the discomfort of, well, will these people deliver? We've never heard that. <laughs> and again, it worked really well. And, you know, maybe we caught lightning in a bottle and got lucky, but um, this idea of, of the change in definition of what is valuable in a conference program is something that I've been really yeah. thinking about the last couple of months, wondering if, if you're reevaluating that in your programming work recently. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there are two ways that I look at it. One is, is there tactical information? Is there something of value that's not accessible somewhere else that hearing from this individual is going to give the people in the room where they can go back and make real changes right away and improve their companies, improve their cultures, improve their community, whatever it is that, that they're doing. But then the other is, how can we give people an experience that makes them feel something inside? that actually gives them this, this opportunity in a way to change. Mm-hmm. And one of the most amazing speakers that we had at the Digital PM Summit who just made people feel was Sharon Steed. And I was in the audience at another person's conference and Sharon is uh, just a stutterer. I mean, she stutters and it's, it's chronic. And she decided that to combat her stuttering, she was going to become a public speaker. (laughs) So she tells you about the challenges and the fear and the things that she's dealt with her whole life. 
And there are times where she just can't get the words out. And in the audience, you were just wanting to help. You were wanting, and but by the time it's all over, you just, you, it's not even goosebumps. You, you were just physically changed in that there's a sense of there's nothing you can't do because mm-hmm. you saw Sharon get up there and deliver a powerful message on overcoming whatever obstacles you may have. And a lot of people may say, you know, stuttering is definitely an obstacle. You know, there are others that maybe they're not as easy to overcome. Um, I've obviously led a very privileged life, but when I listen to her, like I can get over my shit really quick. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's like we have these interesting uh, perspectives that are the product of uh, our experiences and, you know, we're, we're, you know, you're on earth for a number of decades and that's what happens. But uh, it's people like that that kind of bring you back to the broader human experience. Right. And and it's just great to connect with people as humans, which uh, it sounds like you're really uh, striving to do with your programs. And that's an inspiration for me. It's something I'll keep in mind as, as we keep programming. Uh, One of these days I got to make it to one of yours. Uh, (laughs) We'd love to have you missing out on, on some really great stuff. Uh, we should wrap up, uh, but uh, before we do, is there anything you want to leave us with? You know, I would say never worry about sharing things with other people. You know, so often we're holding things in and we're not connecting, but when we do, it just makes every experience better and it allows other people to learn from our mistakes and it actually lifts us up. So always be open and share with people. Well, thanks for sharing today. Uh, Carl Smith, it's been great to have you. Carl from the Bureau of Digital, which I believe is bureauofdigital.com. You got it. You'll see 14 uh, events <laughs> there. Uh, I thought it was 16, but now it, I know that it's 14. Now it's not such a big deal. Right? Make sure you get your punch card because the fifth one's free. <laughs> <laughs> great. Carl, it's always great talking with you. And uh, I look forward to doing it again. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Lou. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening.